0: Five, four, three, two, one. What's up, guys? It's Inside You, the College Sports Podcast, and the first games of college football are in the book. Weekend rundown of this past weekend's games. Obviously, UMass made short work of Duke and Ease. Rice and Prairie View were neck and neck until Rice ultimately won on a game-winning field goal. Now, the first game I want to get into, Wyoming and New Mexico State. In the first season post, Josh Allen, the Cowboys looked good. Nico Evans impressed. Tyler Vanderwald did enough. But really, this game came down to New Mexico State and their penalties. They had nine penalties in the first half alone, as well as one of the worst roughing the kicker penalties I have ever seen. So this game, while Wyoming was able to pull out the victory, really wasn't more lost by New Mexico State than it was won by Wyoming. Now, CSU Hawaii, boy, was I wrong. I thought looking into this game between KJ Carter Samuels, Mike Bobo being healthy and calling the plays from the booth and a revamped defense under John Jancic, the Rams were going to walk away with this one, but rainbow Warriors starting quarterback McDonald looked like a star. They could not stop him at all to the tune of 43 points. And even though the Rams were able to close the spread in the late going, it was by far not a close game. So, I actually attended this game. It was really interesting to see the new canvas stadium, which just opened last year. Great to see CSU's campus, the whole downtown area and everything. One thing I want to highlight is in college sports recently, we're hearing a lot about, you know, decreasing attendance. And one thing that the CSU school did in trying to increase attendance at games in their new stadium was their entire north end zone has been dedicated the new Belgium Brewing Co end zone. If you haven't been there, it's really impressive to see. While there's no seating, fans are able to purchase beer in their all game. There's tons of security to ensure that underage students, what have you, don't get in, but it was just a really nice addition to a really nice stadium. And if you're one of these schools right now that's struggling with attendance, whether you're a group of five program or a lower level power five program, I can't think of a better way of trying to attract fans who may not normally be interested in a college football game, Partner with a local brewing company. You, you, while you do lose a couple of seats, I think it does do a lot to attract fans to the game. Now, obviously, if you're a school like Nebraska where you've got 50 years of sellouts in a row, you can't afford to give up any seating. But again, if you're a school trying to, or if you're a school or an athletic director trying to find out ways to get more people to come to your games, this is one way to do that. So let's look at what's going on in college football right now. Obviously, the Quarterback competitions are starting to wind down. A number of them were announced recently in uh, kind of a surprise. Kelly Bryant was able to maintain his starting job over challenger Trevor Lawrence. But the real one that I thought was interesting was JT Daniels at USC winning the starting job. Now Daniels, in case you haven't been following, was actually originally going to be a class of 2019 graduate from high school, but he just had to reclassify to make himself eligible to compete in this year's quarterback competition. Now, in head coach Clay Helton picking Daniels, I think what you're seeing is that he's learned a lot from his experience with Sam Darnold when Darnold was backing up Max Brown in his first year at USC. In 2016, Darnold started the season on the bench as Max Brown. Backup, Brown, while giving his best effort, struggled. The team didn't look great. They were 1-3 at one point, and then Darnold came in, turning around the Trojans' offense and taking them to a Rose Bowl victory over Penn State. I think from that experience, what we're seeing from Clay Helton and what we're seeing from a lot of the top coaches in college football right now is no matter what, no matter who, no matter what year, no matter how long they've been on the team, the best player will play. And really, this is an offshoot of the progress that high school players are making with seven-on-seven off-seasons in training and private coaching. So very interesting to see that play out. I don't think anyone's surprised, but I do think it's surprising that Clay Helton did in fact make the choice of going with the true freshman. Daniels will be the first true freshman to start a game as the Trojan starter since Matt Barkley. So big shoes to fill in that one, especially in downtown Los Angeles. Going Moving forward, this weekend, college football is officially open, and as usual, with it being the opening se- season of the college football, of college football, we've got a tremendous number of games. With so many teams playing FCS skills, though, I will not be going through each and every game. Rather, I'm just going to highlight a few of the top Power 5 games this week. So Thursday night, we've got Purdue taking on Northwestern in an early season Big Ten matchup. Now, Northwestern, remember, managed to win 10 games last year. They've averaged 10 games in the past three seasons. Pat Fitzgerald is raving about their new... Football complex, which if you haven't seen, you should look up on Twitter. It is very impressive. But Northwestern will be out without starting quarterback Clayton Thorson, who's still recovering from the ACL injury he suffered in the Music City Bowl. So I think Purdue does manage to win that one. As of yet, I had not seen who won the quarterback competition between Elijah Sindelair and David Blau. But my guess is Chris Braum's team is able to take out Northwestern even if it is a low-scoring game. So Friday, a number of interesting games now. We've got Army taking on Duke. Army, keep in mind, won 10 games last year with Ahmad Radshaw at quarterback. They had an interesting NFL prospect in left tackle Toth. But without them, this team will definitely look different. Duke, not exactly a powerhouse at the moment, is struggling coming off a season where they did not perform well. But again, Duke's defense last year was terrible. So with Army running that triple option, it is very likely that the, that the Black Knights are able to, in fact, win that game. So I like Army in that game. Again, probably a low-scoring game, but I do think they pull out the victory. So we've got Northwestern over Purdue and Army over Duke. Now, the first big game that I really want to break down is the Stanford-San Diego State matchup. San Diego State recently has been on the rise after they've turned out a number of impressive running backs, starting with Donnell Pumphrey. Then last season, they had Jawan Washington, who was drafted in the first round by the Seahawks. And this is a team that, keep in mind, is returning its entire offensive line, its starting quarterback. And they've got new running back, Jawan Washington, who everyone says is very impressive. Excuse me, I meant that they, last season running back was Rashad Penny. So this SDSU team should be able to win a lot of games, provided they can control the ball, move the chains on the ground and keep the matchups in their favor. So the Stanford team, obviously a lot of people are picking them in the North. They like it, and there's good reason. You've got Bryce Love, who's entering the season as the Heisman Trophy candidate. You've got a a quarterback situation where you no longer have a competition between Keller Christ and other Stanford quarterback. KJ Costello. Um, But the real... The real point here will be the defense. As good as San Diego State's offense has been recently, their defense was not great last year, but they were able to do enough to keep the Aztecs in good situations and not put them too far behind. The Cardinals, on the other hand, had a defense that averaged almost six yards per play. They've lost their defensive leader in Justin Reed. So it's hard to imagine much improvement from that defense. Furthermore, looking at the matchup, Cardinals starting center Jesse Burkett will be out. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays into everything. So I do like the Aztecs to upset Stanford here would not be surprised if this is 17 to 10, maybe 21, 14, something in that region. But I think the Aztecs are going to surprise a lot of people in that you've got a Stanford team that's entering the season at the top 25. They've got a lot of hype behind them with Bryce love, but I don't think this is David Shaw's best squad. And I do think they followed this first game. Now, Obviously, before this past season, I had picked Colorado State to finish second in the Mountain West Mountain Division right behind Boise State. But after seeing a defense that made Rainbow Warriors starting quarterback McDonald look like an All-American, it is going to be tough for me to pick the Rams at all for the rest of the season. Keep in mind, they're playing Colorado this year in the Rocky Mountain Showdown. Who's got Steven Montez as their starting quarterback, a guy who my guess will go for a thousand yards this week. I mean, if the Rams struggled that mightily against the Hawaii Rainbow squad that most people were picking to finish near the bottom of the Mountain West, West Division, it's hard to imagine what CU might be able to do. Now, again, both teams' defense not exactly great, which means this should be a fun game, a high-scoring game. But I think when all is said and done, you're going to see a Colorado team pull out the victory behind Steven Montez and his impressive running ability. So Saturday then. We've got Texas taking on Maryland again before the season started. I did think Maryland was going to pull this game off, but with everything that has transpired, it is hard for me to pick the tariff in. So I think Tom Herbin's team gets the job done. Sam Erlinger did in fact manage to win the starting job. If he can stay healthy, I do believe that Texas could be a sleeper team in that Big 12. Keep in mind right now, the two teams you're constantly hearing in the Big 12 are Oklahoma and West Virginia. West Virginia, because of their offense, which is going to be good, but their defense is definitely a concern. Oklahoma, on the other hand, has a lot of good offensive pieces, and they should have a better defense. But again, I do think the Big 12 is a lot more open than people believe so if texas can manage to take care of the football move the football on offense and play good defense they should be a sleeper team and they could in fact come out of that big 12. they do benefit from hosting west virginia at home and obviously they play the red river classic against oklahoma at the texas state fair which is more or less a neutral game so texas over maryland then we've got Oldness miss versus texas tech now Cliff Kingsbury, Texas Tech's head coach, obviously a couple years ago, was all the Raven college football. People were ecstatic about him. They loved his high-powered, fast offense. But in years since, his defense has consistently underperformed and hindered his offense's ability. And we're hearing more and more about him being on the hot seat. Conversely, you've got Old Miss, which, again, this season has a bull band. They're really just playing for pride. They lost a number of players to transfer, including last season starting quarterback Chase Patterson. And Matt Luke, in my opinion, is only the head coach there because of his victory over Mississippi State in the Egg Bowl, which also was without Mississippi State starting quarterback Nick Starkle for a a majority of that game after he suffered an ankle injury. So I think this is a game really about these two head coaches. It will be interesting to see what happens. My guess is that Ole Miss probably gets it done. I know they've been raving about new quarterback Jordan Te'amu. They're going to have one of the top wide receiving groups in the country. So they should get it done. But I think that will again be another interesting game. Lots of fun. It should be a nice offensive showdown. Now, next game, Washington-Auburn. So this Washington team, everyone is really high on. Many have openly said that they are the Pac-12's best chance of making the playoff. And for good reason, they have this matchup with Auburn early in the season. That's going to give them an opportunity to showcase their talents for SDC voters, sorry, for college football playoff voters. But what we've also seen from this Washington team is that whenever they play a team with real NFL caliber players, like a Washington or an Alabama or a USC in the Pac-12 championship, they have struggled even with recruiting being better under Chris Peterson and then getting better players. Jake Browning, the Husky starting quarterback, is probably one of the most forgotten four-year starters in college football right now. You do not see his name anywhere. Granted, he will be able to rely on Miles Gaskin, but I think there's a reason why Auburn is favored in this game. And I think it's that even without Eli Stove and Hastings, starting quarterback Jarrett Stidham is probably the best quarterback in the SEC right now. Their defense should be good as always. True, they do have to replace a number of pieces on offense, including three starting members of their offensive line, as well as running back On Johnson. But I do think Gus Malzon's team, assuming they can control the football, get behind that big offensive line, does get the job done here. Now, Tennessee versus West Virginia. Going into the season, Mountaineers head coach Dana Holgerson has made a number of overtures and statements regarding his team playing 11 power five Programs this season. I do like this move for a number of reasons. First off, in the SEC right now, we've got the Iron Bowl, which is arguably the biggest game in the SEC this year. And before that week, you've got both teams playing FCS teams. Now, as I believe, as well as Stanford head coach David Shaw articulated this past offseason, I think the voters need to place a bigger emphasis on when these games are being played. They need to take into account when teams get hot as well as at what point in the season you're playing them. Because right now you've got two teams, Alabama and Auburn, which are always in the national title conversation, basically getting 2 bye bi-weeks. Conversely, their other schools are not. Now, I'm no issue with a school playing an FCS program, especially early in the season, but I think after the second, third, at the very latest fourth week, you should be forced to play only FBS teams. So in this game, Obviously, Tennessee is entering its first season under new head coach Jeremy Pruitt. Pruitt made a name for himself as Nick Saban's defensive coordinator, but it's going to take time to turn around an offense that was horrifically bad. West Virginia, on the other hand, will have definitely one of the most high-powered offenses in the country behind Will Greer, behind converted uh, wide receiver David Sills, as well as, excuse me, as well as a number of other pieces. So if this game turns into a shootout, which it's very likely it will, it's hard to not pick Greer's team. Greer is already getting some traction as a legitimate Heisman Trophy candidate. We'll see how that turns out. But I think at some point in this game, West Virginia's offense is going to get hot. They're going to score. And you're going to see Tennessee be unable to put points up on the board to match them. And West Virginia pulls off the victory. Whether this game plays into the national title con- Title picture will take time. We'll have to see what Tennessee does manage to do in SEC play. Remember, they are coming off a season where they did not win one SEC game last year, but this will be a nice little victory for West Virginia to start off their season. Now, the last and most important game of this weekend, you've got Michigan playing on Notre Dame. And I think this game is important more for the head coaches than the players. You've got two team, two head coaches with came in with a lot of hype. Notre Dame head coach Brian Kelly, Michigan head coach Jim Harbaugh and have since then kind of been unable to match those expectations. Brian Kelly's team obviously last year managed to win 10 games. They destroyed USC. They looked very good, but their season then came to a head and ended with three losses after they lost to Miami and from there never really were able to rekindle their team. Michigan, on the other hand, Jim Harbaugh has made a lot of enemies with his satellite camps, with his recruiting tactics which is kind of everything he's done to challenge the traditional ways of college football, but he is still yet to beat Ohio state and his record against Michigan state isn't any better. So this game I think has big implications for these two head coaches as a loss here would surely start the hot seat rumors, the calls for their firing. And while I don't think either coach is at risk of losing their job this season, I think this game will have major implications for next season. So in this game, obviously it's being played in South Bend. So you definitely have to give a little bit of an edge to the Notre Dame there. Michigan granted is going to be with new starting quarterback, Shea Trent Patterson, one of the fallout players from Old Mrs. scandal under former head coach Hugh Freeze. It should be interesting to see what he looks like, and Michigan is going to have one of the top defenses in the country with Chase Winnervick as well as Rashawn Gary. But conversely, I think this Notre Dame team, you know, unlike Shea Patterson leading this Wolverines offense, we already kind of know what to expect after, excuse me, of Irish starting quarterback Brandon Wimbish. Granted, he did have issues throwing the football last year, but his ability to run the ball I do think gives him the edge. Also, Michigan will be without Tarek Black, who has an injured foot. So I think Notre Dame wins this game. I don't think it's going to be pretty. I think there's going to be a lot of fans groaning, but I do think the Irish come out with the victory. Now, Sunday games, because it's the first weekend of the season. Gotta love it. You've got Miami taking on LSU. Obviously, this Miami team enters with a lot of hype following last season, their turnover chain, and their resurgence under head coach Mark Richt. However, what we saw was that when Malik Rosier was called on to win games, he was unable to do so. Even at ACC Media Days this year, head coach Mark Rick was kind of uneven in his praise of Rosier, basically going only so far as to say, well, he puts us in the best position right now. Now, I think there's a reason why Miami is favored, but I look at this LSU team And Granted, they did lose a lot of pieces. They're going to be with that running back Darius Juice. They're going to be with that quarterback Danny Etling. But I do think that when you look at the defense with Greedy Williams and a lot of the other pieces they have, and you have to look at Ohio State transfer quarterback Joe Burrow, who everyone is raving about, I just think that LSU is going to find a way to win this game, similar to Similar to Kelly and Harbaugh, Ed Orgeron is certainly on the hot seat this season. LSU fans are tired of the losing. They're tired of losing to Alabama. They want to be back in the top of the SEC at the very least, and they definitely want to be in the national title conversation. Ed Orgeron has to know this. He did not make a lot of people happy after last season when LSU lost to Troy at home on homecoming weekend, so this will certainly be a season that will test him. Now, in the offseason, Orgeron decided to make a change, firing offensive coordinator Matt Kanata and promoting tight ends coach Steve Ensminger. Ensminger was the previous offensive coordinator when Orgeron was the head coach, interim head coach, and didn't manage to put together a record of six and two. It will be interesting to see what that pairing looks like. But again, I think if we're just looking at quarterbacks, Joe Burrow, who's backed up JT Barrett, who a lot of people in Ohio State were distraught that he left. I think he's going to do just enough to win this game here. I do think LSU pulls off the upset. Call me crazy, but I cannot trust in this Malik Rosier. Rosier was one big play away from losing to Georgia Tech last season in a hurricane. He just got completely outclassed in the ACC championship game against Clemson. Keep in mind that was against Kelly Bryant, who's not exactly known for his passing ability either. So I think this will be a very close game, a very tight game. Both teams should have top defenses. But in the end, I do think LSU managed to pull off the upset. Finally, the last big game of the weekend, we've got Virginia Tech taking on Florida State. And Virginia Tech is entering the season with a lot of questions. You know, they had a lot of players injured in the offseason. They have a couple of players suspended. Even starting quarterback Josh Jackson was suspended for a period of time. Conversely, FSU has a lot of hype behind it right now with new head coach Willie Taggart. Taggart is transitioning this team to his Gulf Coast offense, which he's been a lot of fun to watch in his previous stops at Oregon, Western Kentucky, and South Florida. He's got DeAndre Francois, who I think will be a natural fit. In many ways, he does remind me of former South Florida quarterback Quentin Flowers. So this is an ACC game, which is fun to get know that we're getting it on the first weekend of the season. But with all of the losses to Virginia Tech secondary, and the losses to their defense. I think the Seminoles do pull off the victory. I'm not sure what this game will look like. Obviously, Florida State is going to have a lot of offensive power power between DeAndre Francois as well as Cam Akers, who ran for over 1,000 yards last year as a true freshman. They should have a renewed team spirit after the fallout and all of the questions regarding former head coach Jimbo Fisher. But the Seminoles win this game and we're kind of going to get to see what this team's going to look like under Taggart. I don't think the Seminoles have enough this season to challenge Clemson or Miami in the ACC, but they could definitely be the third team in that division, and I do believe that college football is better when these traditional football programs are better. So I'll be back tomorrow to discuss the top group of five games this week. I hope you guys have a great day, and let's get ready for some college football. See you soon. Bye.